Well, today I want to talk to you about some stuff because, because, um, is anybody going through stuff? Silly question, I guess. I'm going through stuff. Um, I, you know, I, I've been on sabbatical or I've been on half a sabbatical. I want to keep telling people just half my sabbatical. I'm sorry. That's all for the board to know this. I just half my sabbatical. Um, uh, and, and, uh, just kind of walking with my wife, as most of you know, um, her health is not doing well. Um, she you know, has been battling cancer for five and a half years or so. And, and, uh, we're just nearing the end, um, it's uh, she just uh, every week is just a little uh, a little further down. Um, so I'm dealing with stuff and I read the prayer lists of all the Sunday school classes and uh, at least of those that send them to me. And um, and I know that you all are going with through stuff, too. I mean, you've got family and friends who are sick and suffering. You've got job changes and all that kind of stuff. There's relational stuff going on in people's lives. We all deal with stuff. And while I've been on sabbatical and, and trying to, trying to you know, walk through that and think through, okay, what am I doing? My wife is dying, and, and here I am, and what's all life like? Um, I have been brought back to some, uh, some very basic kinds of things that I want to begin a series of messages talking to you uh, about over the next few weeks called Good Counsel. Uh, good Counsel. Because oftentimes, uh, at, least, at least for me, I'll just speak for myself, what, what I end up needing <laughs> at these kinds of moments is just some good counsel. Not stuff you haven't heard before, but it's stuff that's timelessly true. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about today, is, is some good counsel. And, and the idea of today's message, if I just kind of summar up, summarize it into just one line, is just this. What's your focus? What are you focused on? Because the, your focus makes all the world a difference in how we face whatever it is, the stuff of life. And, and that focus is critically important. And so today I, I want to just bring a passage to you that talks, I think, a lot about where our focus is. It's Philippians chapter 4. Uh, verses 4 through 9. So if you have your Bibles, it's going to come up on the screen. Let me read that for us, and then I just want to talk to you a little bit about those verses. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse 4, it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Good counsel. Have you ever had something that was so good you just had to say it twice? Well, Paul did. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say it again. Rejoice. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's saying to us, uh, you've had joy, right? You've had joy. He's reminding us it's time to renew your joy. It's time to renew your joy. And I know you've heard this before. I've had people say that to me. I've heard this stuff all before. Ah, That's just so. Ah. I guess I've got to tell you, I don't care. There are some things that are worth saying again, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Renew your joy in the Lord. You know, when you first get saved, what do you do? You feel, I'm so happy. I'm, I'm full of joy. I just, I, I found Jesus and my life is different. And then stuff begins to happen and life happens and, and you begin to go along. And, and Paul just says to him one more time, renew your joy. Renew your joy. Yeah. I'm an old guy and I admit it. I dress like an old guy. I talk like an old guy. I preach like an old guy. I'm just an old guy. I get it. Uh, my birthday is Monday, by the way, in case you all, in case you, in case you're, uh, in case you're missing that. And I just, I thought I'd just bring that up, you know, just, you know, in case you've forgotten to write the card or doing that kind of stuff like that. I'm old. I'll be 59. So I'm not that old. I, I guess I'm, I'm not that old, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So this is, this is the deal. I had my early discipleship stuff. Hey, the Gilberts, welcome back. How was South America? All right, two thumbs up, or as my wife does. She's got arthritis in her thumb, so she can't get that straight up. But Welcome back. But anyway, I kind of had my early discipleship stuff happen in uh, in the 70s. And... uh, and, and there, there was a guy back then, I think his name was Carruthers, you can maybe correct me on this, but, but he, he was in the power of praise and, and uh, the miracle of praise and all that kind of stuff. He, he was a guy who wrote books about this idea of, if you'll just praise God, things are going to be better. If you'll, just, if you'll just praise God, it'll all be better. If you just speak a positive word, it'll all be better. Um, I, I, you know, it's just that kind of stuff. And, and I and tell you what, I was, I was a psychology major. I just graduated from college with a psychology major. And, and I was you know, off working on my master's in counselors and counseling. And, and I just said, you know, this seems so weird. How can this be true? How, this seems weird. I mean, people have issues, right? People have issues. I mean, people are sick and dying and jobs are lost and, and there's conflict going on in the world and we've got all this stuff going on. And, and you're just telling me I need to I need to be thankful for all that stuff. And I just kind of I went off on my high horse. You know, you're 22 and 23. You can do that. You know, you, you know I know stuff, you know, the world I'm going to change. And uh, so we did all. Sorry about that. You know, all you all you uh, 20 sentence. Um, but, but I, 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 you know, I kind of went through that, that process and, until it finally hit me that, that the, the scripture doesn't say that. The scripture says, rejoice, renew your joy in the Lord. It, it, it didn't, it didn't say that I'm supposed to be happy that my wife is dying. Okay? I don't have to be happy about conflict. I don't have to be happy, happy about abuse. I don't have to be happy about any of those things. But in the midst of all of those things, I am called to rejoice in the Lord. I am called to renew my joy in the Lord. Now, the reason why this is important, because it goes back to where your focus is. What are you focused on? 
You can be focused on sickness and death and unemployment and abuse and troubles and trials and all that kind of stuff. Or you can be focused on the Lord. Where's your focus? Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, rejoice in the Lord. Renew your joy in the Lord. Is stuff happening? Yeah. Doesn't mean it's not happening. We're not sticking our head in the sand. We're not ignoring it. But we are fully aware that there's things that are bigger than the stuff. And God is bigger than the stuff. And he says, rejoice in the Lord. Okay. I see some of you out there like, oh yeah. And some of you are looking at me like, Pastor, I don't know. I just got to tell you, in the, in the midst of this message, there's something that's going to challenge you uh, to just to just kind of put it together and say, you know what? I need to think about this a little more. Be- because each one of us is going through stuff. Well, I don't know, everyone. I mean, some, some of you are probably just as happy as can be and everything's rosy. Um, that would not be my life and not be a bunch of people's life. But but you know what? God is still good in the midst of all. And good counsel says to us, I'm going to put my focus on the Lord and I'm going to rejoice in him, even though I'm really ticked about my circumstance. Yeah. Even though it breaks my heart, even though I sit and cry, even though I'm just. But I choose to put my focus on rejoicing in the Lord, in his goodness, in his grace, in his mercy, in his power, in his saving, in his presence, in his healing. Even in the midst of death, there is still healing. Good counsel. It says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. For the Lord is near. You know, when I think about gentleness, I, I think about this idea that, that uh, gentleness is this idea of not claiming your own rights. Gentleness, uh, a person who is a gentle person usually says, I, I don't have to be first. I don't have to have my way. I don't have to have this. I don't, even though I might deserve it, even though I'm worthy of it, I don't have to have these things. I don't have to do battle for me and mine. I don't have to do that. Now, I'm not certain that little phrase, because the Lord is near. I don't know whether that's kind of a, an assurance or a threat. Have you ever thought about that? Be gentle. Because the Lord is near, and if you do that, you know. Or is it, be gentle, because God's big enough to take care of it, and he's here. You know, I don't know, it's one or the other. I, I don't know what it is. I, he's either threatening us with, with the God's presence, like, don't do something dumb, be gentle. Or he's giving us great encouragement. Be gentle, God's big enough to take care of it. He's right here. You know, I think I think Paul kind of has that idea 
of, of, uh, of gentleness, and he expresses it in many places in Scripture. But right there in the book of uh, Philippians, I think Paul writes about this idea in this great theological hymn in chapter 2, when he says, you know, consider Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself and took on the form of servant. Now, that, that idea is, is kind of in that, in that concept to say he, he, he did not feel like he had to hold on to what was his right, what was his due. It's I'm God. I don't have to do this. I'm the creator of the universe. I don't have to do this. Me go die for these people. But he chooses instead to say, for the sake of others, I'm going to lay down my life. For the sake of others, I'm going to become the sacrificial lamb. For the sake of others, I'm not going to choose my own will and my own rights, but I choose for others. Anybody in one of those situations? Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. They don't need to do bad. You know, one of the things I really like about Paul is that um, he speaks reality. I, I have a tendency, I, I don't know, by personality, makeup, or whatever, I tend to be kind of a rosy, glassy kind of person. As I'm a worrier. And rosy glasses all at the same time. I don't know how that works. But, you know, I, I just kind of think, okay, it's all going to be okay. You know, and I, you know, we just get it going. But I like Paul because Paul so often speaks about take great hope, have great hope, and yet speaks very directly to the issue. Paul is not saying, you know, look to God and it's all going to go away. Because the next good counsel in this passage, Scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, he's not just saying, well, just rejoice in the Lord. The fact that he says, don't be anxious about everything but pray, is an acknowledgement that there is Junk going on. There's stuff going on in your lives. You don't have to deny that there's stuff going on to be able to be, have good counsel and to walk with him. You don't have to deny that stuff to be able to rejoice in the Lord. But you don't have to focus on it either. <laughs> you don't have to dwell on it. He says, if you will take that stuff and present it to the Lord. Present it to the Lord with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving just says, okay, God, I'm not thankful for that, but I'm thankful for you. (laughs) I'm thankful for who you are and what you're doing in my life and all of this stuff. And God, you know, I've got this junk. You know, I've got this situation. You know, my wife is dying. You know, I'm trying to figure out what life looks like after that. But God, I trust you. God, I love you. God, I'm confident of you.
People ask me this question all the time. Pastor, how do you get up and preach? How do you keep on going? How do you keep doing all this? And I just say this because I rejoice in the Lord. Not always, but I'm trying. (laughs) And that's pretty good. Enough to say it again and rejoice in the Lord. And who He is. I try to trust Him and I don't have to do battle. I don't have to heal my wife. I don't have to make her better. I don't have to solve the problem. Because God is big enough. And He's near. And I just keep going back to Him over and over again. And I keep saying, God... Into your hands do I give my wife. Into your hands do I give my life. Do I give my future. Do I give my church. God, you do your thing. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which makes no sense. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have my head in the sand. I, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, God's going to heal her. She's never going to die. I'm fully aware But I'm also fully aware of who God is. And there is a peace in the midst of the stuff that surpasses all understanding. That's true for me and it's true for you. The problem is this. And I will say that this is our problem because I do the same thing. Too often... We're like on the Titanic. And there's this really funny looking round thing. Do you know what these are? These little funny round things that are hooked to the sides of the passageways. Have you seen those before? Decoratively, they have little ropes around them. I don't think they usually do. but And it says, when all else fails, pray. Right? It's a lifesaver. It's out of a vida. It's a lifesaver. But too often we walk through life like we're on the Titanic. Nothing can ever sink this boat. We are confident. We're going forward. Life is good. Until all of a sudden, it ain't. And suddenly, we're trying to find our life lifesaver. And that's okay. It's okay to pray at the last minute. <laughs> Lots of lives have been salvaged by prayers at the last minute. But you know it's better if you pray early and you pray in the middle and you pray at the end. And, and what happens so often, and I, I will step up to this one, is that we get so absorbed in our situation, in trying to make it better, in trying to deal with it, or we become so preoccupied with just staying busy and not thinking about it, that we forget to pray. Can I get an amen? I'm too busy. I've got to get to work. I don't have time to pray. 
I've got to go to the doctor. I've got to do this. We, we find all kinds of reasons why we can't pray. I'm, you know, I'm too busy. I don't have time. What are people going to think? I don't know. We, we can find all kinds of reasons. But good counsel would say to us, pray early, pray often, pray at the end. Right? So we're going to rejoice in the Lord. We're going to let him do our battles. And we're going to commit it to him. Not ignoring it. Not sticking our head in the sand. But we're going to commit it to him. Early and often. And let him do it. And then. He tells us the third thing. Fourth thing. He says whatever is good. Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is of good report, something like that. Yeah, something there. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. See, what happens is when we're in the midst of stuff, our tendency (laughs) is that everything we see is negative. You know? Everywhere we look, it's negative. Everywhere we look, there's a mess going on. Yeah, this is bad. That's bad. And, and we just tend to... I don't know why it is that we do that. Okay, I won't ask you to identify with this. I just tend to go there. You know, Charlie Hardison, uh, some of you know Charlie Hardison. Charlie Hardison is a, is a member of our church here, and he's a missionary uh, in a creative access country. And... And just before I went on sabbatical in um, uh, late June, uh, I saw this. He sent out a newsletter. I don't know how many of you got get his newsletter, but uh, he sent a little thing there. And he said that he was going on a 30-day fast from negativity. A 30-day fast from negativity. And I said to myself, huh, I'm going on a 30-day first half of my sabbatical. I think... I'm going to do that. That sounds like a really good thing. I, I needed a little, I'm not going to be negative <laughs> in my head. And so I, I just said, I'm going to go on this 30-day fast from negativity. I even went and bought the book. And, you know, a little devotional book went with it, all that kind of stuff. 30-day fast of negativity. I positively made it almost two days. <laughs> Why is it so hard to be positive? Why is it so hard not to talk about the negative? I don't know. Am I the only one or you guys, you guys get there? I don't, I don't know what it is, but it is really hard. It's, it's just like right now I'm being negative about that. I had somebody coming up to me after the first service and said, Pastor, when you think you're going to be negative, just ask yourself a question. Says, you say, Oh, why is it so hard to do that? Rather than say, I didn't do it, or I I was negative, say, hmm, was that negative? (laughs) Then you you avoid that saying it was negative. I I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with that. But but I got to tell you, there's something in that because it sets the mindset of where our focus is. And and you know what? What we focus on, we kind of become. If our hearts and minds are focused on negative junk, we tend to just become that. We, we, you know, I'm, I don't have a direct scripture verse to, so don't quote me on that, but this is reality. 
We just become what we think about. And if we're thinking about all the negative stuff, we tend to go there. It all gets there. In fact, it's really easy to get there. I have a PhD in negativity. No, you're laughing. I'm serious. Do you know what that's what a PhD is? Are you you're aware of that? Now, it, especially in the social sciences, I, I've got a I've got a bachelor's and two masters and a PhD. Literally, you have a very well educated pastor. In spite of that, I, I told I told Norma the other day. I said, you know that I'm 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 really I realized you know over this 30 day little break I've had. I, I was working on remodeling the upper bedrooms of my house, and, and, I, and I really enjoyed that. I'd been hanging drywall and taping and texture and paint and doing some electrical run of wire stuff like that, putting a couple of new windows and do all that stuff. And, and I told Norm, I said, you know what I just realized? I'm just a blue-collar kind of guy. You know, and I am really my whole family background. I'm, I'm just a farm kid. My my dad's a farmer and all that kind of stuff. I'm really the first kid in my family to do much of any education in, in, in my family. My dad uh, got his GED when he was about 40 and uh, and felt pretty proud of it. Took a couple college classes and felt really proud of that. Um, you know, so I'm like the first one in my family to really go very far with education. And I, and I realized, you know what? I just got blue collar in my head. I just like basic kind of stuff. I really enjoy just just kind of basic stuff. And I told Norma the other day, said so what I realized was that I'm really just a blue collar kind of guy who was too lazy to work. <laughs> so I just kept going to school. And it started, it was all my father's fault. I was nearing the end of my senior year with no vision for anything in my life. I wish all the youth were here. With no vision for anything in my life. And my father said to me, he said, you know what, David, what are you going to do with your life? I said, I don't know. You know every high school said, I don't know. He said, well, I'll tell you what. You're either going to go to college or you're going to get a job and pay rent. And that took me all about 30 seconds or less. And I went, hmm. Job, pay rent, go to school. I think I'll go to school. And I've been doing that ever since. <laughs> but my PhD is, was in administration of higher education, social sciences. And you know what they teach you to do there? Anybody been to college has this issue. Because in college, what they teach you to do is what? Critical thinking. That's code for negativity. Well, that's a nice way of saying we are all negative here because we don't like what's going on. Right? And, and I tell you what, it's not that hard to get a Ph.D., especially in social science. A little difference in the hard sciences. You've got to actually memorize things there. But in the social sciences, you just read stuff and cut it up. That's garbage. That's garbage. That's garbage. Well, this guy says that, and that guy says this. And I tell you what, I could read through articles, a thousand pages of articles, and write up, you know, a hundred-page paper like, boom, just spit that stuff out. Man, you learn to be critical. You learn to be negative. You learn to be able to rip stuff up. We are trained to be that way. But I tell you what, uh, that'll get you a Ph.D. It'll get you a job and whatever. But there's more peace and there's more joy 
in saying, you know what, I'm going to find the good. I'm going to find the pure and the noble, the things worthy of praise. And I'm going to camp on that stuff. Paul says, your thinking has a lot to do with where you're at. And then he says, not only is it your thinking, but it is also what you do. It's not just, I'm going to think good thoughts. But he says, you need to do good things. And he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Put it into practice. Sometimes people say to me, I don't know anything. I'm just new at this stuff. I'm just new to church. I'm new to God. I'm new to Jesus. I'm new to all this stuff. And I just say, well, what you do know, what you do know, just do. Because the reality is, is that most of us know far more than we're willing to put into practice. Right. Yes. Okay. That's kind of the negative thing to say, and forgive me for doing that, but I'll ask the question. Is it true that we don't put into practice everything that we know? Or <laughs> I don't know how that works. But that's the reality, is that our heads are fuller, more full of stuff, knowledge, and experience, and all this stuff, than we usually are willing to put into practice. Paul says, if you want the peace of God to rule in your heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in him. Do you all know that? Yes. Then practice that. Do you know that the Lord is near and that you don't have to do battle? You can lay your life down and it'll be okay. Now, you do know that the sacrificial lamb dies. Okay, this is not a lay your life down now. Everything will be fantastic. I had some guy say that to me once. Pastor, I tithed all my entire life and now I'm broke. And did you tithe because you... I'm like, trust God. Trust God. Do you know that? You don't have to do bad. God is on your side. He's near you. That doesn't mean you're going to get what you want. Doesn't mean that you're not going to die. Doesn't mean that my wife's not going to die. Just means that I can afford to be gentle. To not seek my own self, my own will, and my own way in the midst of it because God is near. If we know that, practice that. Do we know that we should pray? Yes. (laughs) Then pray. Commit those situations to God with thanksgiving, knowing that God is bigger. 
and peace will come. Do we know not to focus on the negative? I mean, sometimes it just comes out, but I'm just saying, don't, you don't have to camp out there. Somebody once said about talking about a, looking at a good-looking woman. And the guy said, you know what? You can't help what your eyes see. You just don't have to stare. You don't, you don't have to, you know what I mean? You don't have to stay there. You, you just, the same thing with negativity. Stuff happens, but don't camp out there. Camp out in positive things. What you know to do, do. And the peace of God will rule your hearts. Amen? We're going to pray. And they're going to come and sing. And, and um, This is a little bit, not a little bit, this is a lot me giving you my public therapy. <laughs> for what it's worth. But I just say to you, think about your own situations. Where are you at? What are you facing and dealing with? Think even about how you feel about this service. What it feels like. How it's different. This is a good place to practice all of this. It's okay. The Lord is near. Our heart and minds are focused on Him. We rejoice in who He is. We commit all that we are into His hands. And we practice the good things we know to practice. Amen? I'm going to pray and then they're going to sing. And as they're singing, if you'd like to come and pray about something, the altars are open for you. Just put a name on that thing where you need to apply this good counsel. I'm going to ask you that question every week for the next few weeks. Amen? Father, into your hands do we give all that we are. We rejoice in who you are. There's not a single one of us here probably who don't face something. But we rejoice in you. We're resting in you, God. In gentleness and confidence is our strength, the psalmist says. We trust in you. And so we lay those situations at your feet with confidence and thanksgiving. Not for the situations, but for you and what you're doing in them. We give you permission, Lord, to do with us as you would have. And in that process, Lord, help us. Help us to think on things good and pure, excellent and praiseworthy. And then, Lord... Let us just simply practice what we know to practice. Take us. Take our families. Take our hopes and dreams. And have your way done in it all. We pray in Jesus' name.